Have you ever thought, I wonder if my mood affects my spending? Or, I wonder if I could use my personal data to track my mental health? We are then tracking the social, psychological and emotional aspects of the nation's mental health. That was Gregor Henderson of Public Health England. He's part of a data experiment, a sandbox, that has been exploring how to build a consumer app that could support mental well-being using multiple data sources. I'm David Reed. This is the Data IQ podcast. And in this edition, you can hear a roundtable discussion I had with Liz Brand of Control Shift, winner of the Data IQ Data Champion Award last year, Gregor from PHE, Phil Fernley, formerly at HSBC, and Henry Jones of Mental Health Services Provider Together All. So, let's find out how personal data could become a way to track your mental health. Liz, let's start with you. Can you explain the context, uh, the, the concept of the sandbox, and uh, what the goals were for you, both in developing the sandbox idea, and then also why you chose the focus on mental health? Hi, I'm Liz Brandt. I'm a Chief Executive Co-Founder of Control Team. The, uh, the sandbox is a data mobility sandbox, so it looks at how we empower individuals with data, enable them to make better decisions and manage their lives more effectively, at the same time as creating value for business and the economy. And the sandbox brings together multiple stakeholders around that concept to work through what the value opportunity is for consumers, business and society, what the governance structures need to be, what the technology requirements are, and behind that, uh, where there might be any gaps that we um, would mean we wouldn't actually be able to deliver value. In the first sandbox that we did, actually, when we were looking at the infrastructure requirements and, and the value, we focused on a number of, of areas of value. The one that came out top of the tree was mental health. And it was at that point when we had 40 businesses, I think, in the room looking at where the value opportunities would be, that, that we realised mental health would be absolutely ideal because not only is there a huge amount of value that can be added as people get more access to their data and able to understand their mental state and then manage it themselves, but also it's a very sensitive area. Who, uh, who wants to um, let anybody else see that? Uh, until you're actually with a professional. Uh, and that plays very heavily to the data mobility approach where the individual gets access to the data. The individual chooses who gets to see the data or the analytics, uh, which means that there's a huge amount of trust. It it's almost sounds like it's a, an area that, 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 that's waiting for a solution like this because data mobility, the uh, consumer control steps into that gap between how I guess these things currently operate uh, in data terms. For, for services that are for individuals where a privacy and trust angle is critical, it, it offers a huge opportunity uh, to open up um, insight that, uh, that otherwise you couldn't, you couldn't actually get access to because the data in data mobility, the data that you're bringing together is around the individual. So from across the individual's life, you can start to combine data to identify and understand new insights. 
So if you bring, for instance, your finance data, your exercise data, your sleep data together, which are key elements of your mental well-being, you can start to understand if there are critical issues arising and, and take preventative steps. So you can start to see that if there's financial problems and you're not sleeping and you aren't getting any exercise, you can have some dashboard that would alert you to the fact that you might be heading towards a, um, a mental health issue that you could actually avoid. You mentioned partners in that sandbox. How did you solicit their, their involvement or, or get them to engage with this particular project? We examined the market to see who the leaders were in the particular areas of interest, one of which is mental health. A number of entities come up as obvious contenders to be part of that. And Public Health England is quite obviously one. And together all, which you've got with us today, at the same time, I had been talking to Phil, who I've known for some time now um, in HSBC, who was uh, director of product uh, at the time, uh, digital product. Uh, and we were talking about how this new data mobility model could enable value for banks. So it was really um, through the network that we've built over the years around data mobility that enabled us to bring together really leading thinkers in the market around this topic. Gregor, if I could come to you, um, could you tell us a little bit about mental health as an area of focus for Public Health England and then your uh, involvement with the Sandbox. Hello, I'm Gregor Henderson. I'm currently the Director for Mental Health at Public Health England and will be leaving shortly to pursue a portfolio career uh, in the mental health sector. The role of Public Health England is we're there to protect and improve the public's health across England and address the growing health inequalities that we see and which have been particularly heightened by the pandemic. We will be moving um, as a government agency into two different components uh, around October. So we, like everything else in the public health system, is in a constant state of flux and renewal. And there will be a, a UK health security agency which will take the health protection and health threats. And that will be, that's already been uh, established. There's a new chief executive and a new board. And that will uh, come to proper fruition in October. And then there will be an Office for Health Promotion, which will take the health improvement aspects so that you see both the protect and improve will be cited in two new agencies, one much closer to the heart of government. And the aim of that is to make sure, and this is important for your question, to make sure that all improvements in health and addressing health inequalities are not just a role for the Department of Health and Social Care, but are a role for the whole of government, whether it's business, uh, employment, education, et cetera. It's really important that good mental health and uh, improving mental well-being and responding to the needs of people with mental health problems is seen as a wider issue across government. So that will become more of a focus for what replaces PHE in terms of protecting and improving the public's health. It will move beyond a focus on individualised care and treatment, it will still include that, and that will very much be the work of the NHS and, and other agencies, but it is going to be identifying problems early, intervening early, looking at some of the social and wider determinants of health. And I think mental health is obviously um, extremely important for overall health. In fact, you don't have good overall health without mental health. 
And we need to look at mental health as, uh, as something that we all need. We need good mental well-being. We will all experience moments of mental distress. We will all experience moments of difficulty with how we think, feel, behave, and relate. So anything that, uh, that enables us to identify what's happening in our lives and to take preventive and promotive action is going to be a good thing. And for those of us who will go on to develop mental health problems that severely affect us in our day-to-day and maybe pick up a a clinical identification of a mental health problem, whether it's a psychosis or a significant clinical depression or anxiety, it is important that other facets of our lives are looked at, not just the care and treatment. And this is where the data and data mobility comes in. So it's extremely important for public health at the moment, but public health and the nation's public and the public's mental health as we go forward that this is an area of focus as we aim to protect and improve our mental health and well-being. And that will have significant individual, community, business and sustainability um, impacts. Where were you coming from in terms of the data that you were able to bring into the sandbox to support those objectives? Well, the sandbox for us has provided two opportunities. One is that, you know, the work of public health and the work of public health, as as people have been able to see over the pandemic, is significantly driven by data. It's really important that we are able to identify what is happening in more of a sense of real time. And if something that has really helped during the pandemic has been the ability of agencies like ours and others to present real-time data. And one of the things that's important for us is taking data from several different sources, reliable sources, putting them together and developing what we've called our surveillance or our tracker of the impact of the pandemic on the nation's mental health. And we publish that uh, every month now, but as we come into the recovery phase from June onwards, we will be reporting and tracking real-time a number of maybe six, but uh, uh, maybe a further six key areas of concern through the data that we have access to. And a lot of that data will be accessible through the digital components that we are now able to engage with. So we put survey data, we put digital data, And we've been working with organizations like Henry's Together All to ask them to send us the data they have on who's coming, what problems are they coming with, et cetera. So that notion of a data lake that is filled and constantly replenished with data enables us to fish, as it were, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to pull out the key data insights. So anything that enables that to happen is good. Anything that enables the sharing of data is good. And anything that enables us to be able to identify clear, valid, and good data. One of the other things we're doing is creating a a national real-time or as close to real-time suicide surveillance system where suspected suicides are clocked and logged in local areas. And there's a complex system for doing that. But they are immediately sent to a centralized point at PHE to therefore be analyzed and presented. So we will know within two week areas, hopefully in about a year's time, where suspected suicides are happening, what age group, what demographic, 
uh, what gender, potentially what ethnicity, potentially. And that will be an amazing planning tool. We are then tracking the social, psychological and emotional aspects of the nation's mental health. The sandbox enabled us, well, to dive really deeply into the data mobility and data connectivity. Now, this is, this is the prize for public health. We have so many different data systems ruled by so many different data agreements that it's almost impossible to integrate the data between, say, housing, education, employment, health, criminal justice, and that's a travesty for public health. So as well as trying to do that, it's even more effective if we can track individualized data from multiple sources because life is complex, good mental well-being, mental distress, dealing with mental illness is complex. You're being hit by several different sources. If you're able to disentangle that individual intelligence in your own life or in a business life, then you have the tools and the power to be able to monitor, address and adjust as your data is being mixed and shared back to you in a way that's understandable. Not to over-individualize health though, David, because we don't want to fall into that trap that your health is only your responsibility because it takes place within a context. But for an agency like PHE, having the individualized information that people can use, but us and other agencies addressing the wider context that either improves or destroys good mental health, that combination is extremely powerful. Henry, could I come down to you now? Um, and uh, if you wouldn't mind just starting just by introducing yourself and then telling us a little bit about uh, your goals for participating in, in the sandbox and uh, perhaps as a bit of context, the digital services that you are currently providing and where you see they might uh, progress uh, through uh, initiatives like this. Yes, I'm CEO of Together All. We're formerly known as Big White Wall. We've been around providing mental health services now for 10 plus years. So we've been doing this for quite a while. We provide a 24-hour clinically moderated anonymous platform for individuals, uh, a community for individuals to get support, give support and help each other with anxiety and depression. You know, this, this was right in our wheelhouse. We currently support uh, over, so we're part of the Mental Health tool Toolkit for something like 250 organisations now. Uh, and those range from universities, NHS, trusts, local authorities, um, uh, the military, uh, and a number of corporations and charities, etc. So a wide range of different populations. At the core of what we do and what we believe is that if you can provide an environment for them to get help, to give help, to support each other, to access resources, to access clinical team, and we're moderated clinically 24 hours a day, then ideally you can catch people early and put them on a different pathway. And that's core of core of what we do. So, you know, for us, the digital sandbox fits very nicely into our philosophy of what we're trying to do, which is how do you provide a service to a population, to a wide population at scale? I think something like 20 million plus people have access to our platform now. So we can provide it to a wide, wide group of people. Uh, as Gregor talked, the demand is out there and it is across, you know, the whole population. So 
you know, anything that looks at what we call population healthcare, which is a service that can be rolled out across a population, just not just to those who sort of are, are in treatment, as it were. Um, anything that's focused on catching people early, so trying to identify people right at the beginning of their issues or even before and trying to give them the resources and the support that are often there and giving them access to them to be able to help themselves is completely aligned with our mission and our goals. And, and so, you know, for us, it was, we are a social impact business. So we, we engage, we obviously, we, we are a for profit, but we also engage in using our data and our expertise to help other organizations, universities, et cetera, and thought leadership and thinking about how they think about mental health care and really sort of aligned with that mission. So, you know, when when we were talking to Liz, that, that there are a number of areas that are obviously of interest to us. So it's population health care, it's catching people earlier, it's potentially catching people earlier than we catch them. So I think that's really interesting for us is, you know, we're, we're because we're anonymous, because we're available 24 hours a day, because we're easily accessible, people reach out to us very early on in the journey and, and it's free to the end user. But actually, if we can use data to identify people even earlier, to say these are people who are potentially at risk and make them aware of what resources are out there, including resources like ours, but other resources, it is very aligned with our mission and, 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 and the direction of travel that, that we're going in. So there's a very logical fit from us. I think from why we add value to the Sandbox team is we've been doing this a long time. Uh, so out of the digital mental health providers, we're probably one of the, the, the old boys. Doesn't, doesn't feel like that, but we're one of the guys who've been around for, for a long time doing this. So we've learned a lot about what to do and what not to do and how to approach this and stuff like that. So bringing that experience, I think, is interesting. We also have a vast amount of data. And one of the questions you know, we ask is how do we use and how do we utilize that data? So we have supported something like over 300,000 people now, and they have all interacted with our platform and done different things and give comments. So that's a, that's a big treasure trove of data that we work with a lot of organizations on. And then I think also, finally, you know, one of the key points is we can bring... Uh, our, our, our population into the mix. So as part of the sandbox, we will be able to tap into that population to get there as part of the part of the research process is be able to get that audience to give us a view of what the what the potential of the product is and how it would fit and what it would look like. Phil, coming coming to you, give us a little bit of context about why for a bank um, focus on on mental health. Uh, is important and therefore going into the sandbox what you were hoping to both bring and learn. Uh, hi, I'm Phil Fernley, the ex-Digital Chief Product Officer at HSBC Retail Bank, uh, currently Digital Advisor to a number of boards. I, I rejoined HSBC in 2019 and, and the then Chief Executive, John Flint, had just launched a, uh, I, I suppose, a fairly major programme across the whole of the 240,000 employees in 40 markets, which, is, which he called the healthiest human system. And really that was leveraging uh, what the bank had been doing for a while and understanding for a while within his own organization about how much employee mental health and employee well-being was important for the performance of individuals, the, the, the health and safety of those individuals, but also for their customers. And John articulated it, I think, really better than anybody else in, in the way that he described it as a system which involved not just the staff, but it included 
all of those customers that the bank was serving, the many millions of customers that the bank was serving. And I suppose at that kind of at that kind of strategic moral societal level, that uh, it, it was really quite high on the agenda of everybody in the organization to think about what it is that we needed to do both as individuals uh, and what we needed to do to better support our customers. And if you like, at, at that level, it's, 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 it's a pretty strong driver for an organization anyway. The reality is he, he worked very hard to kind of articulate what that might mean in financial terms. And if you think about uh, decisions where we are lending money to people who maybe are unable to 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 understand the consequences of that because of their health their their personal health uh, that gets us into even more difficult situations both from the risk and compliance and uh, and and a um, uh, kind of legality if you like of the, of the kind of the, the transactions that we may be performing but also it, it makes that extraordinarily difficult for us to say that we are serving the best interests of our customers. And the reality is that, that there are significant financial penalties attached to, to uh, institutions like HSBC for, for getting those things wrong. And so there was, a, there was a very clear, you know, everything from kind of strategic, societal, moral, uh, financial risk uh, imperative to do, some, to do something and to do more than was being done. Uh, and when Liz and I were, were talking about this, it seemed fairly obvious from my perspective that, that the bank needed to do something. So had there been work already within the bank to, to try to model that vulnerability? I think you, you sort of identified that you know, individuals might be requesting things, looking for products, loans, services, that you could flag perhaps they are vulnerable in, in some respect. So, so that is done all the time. And it's done from, you know, everything from call centers where we're taking calls from the from the branches and, and on digital as well. And it's interesting in the UK, within the last two or three years, the UK bank has 90% of its transactions conducted digitally. And actually, one of the things that we were looking at was, can we start to join up internally the signals that you get from a combination of live chat, uh, uh, calls into call centers, branch engagement, and digital transactions. But of course, what that only does is gives you a partial view of an individual. It gives you transaction history and, and engagement history, but it doesn't really give the, the full, you know, the full story. And I, I often compared it to, you know, when I was at the BBC, we'd look at the kind of consumption patterns on iPlayer, but it didn't tell you what was watched, being watched on BBC One through terrestrial TV, it didn't say what, you know, the fact that I was watching all of the sport or I was watching football and Sky because that's the only place I could get it. And it didn't say that I was a telegraph reader. And it, so it didn't give a true media consumption picture. And the same is true in the bank. You only see what you can see with the data that you've got available. And that's why I think the um, data portability uh, opportunity gives you so much more. And, and the, mental, the mental health challenge, if you like, is a really powerful one because it, it kind of cuts across a number of different players and data sets, not just health data. You know, this is about people transacting. This is about their kind of social engagement or engagement on social media platforms. And, and therefore, getting it right, the prize is far greater than the individual data sets that any one of those participants might have. The challenge of an individual understanding. I mean, I think, Gregor, the words you use were agency, efficacy, and trust, which I, I, I quite like. I actually think there's an even bigger one, which is I just don't think people understand what it is. And, and at the individual level, rather than, you know, 
as as kind of players in in this space, if you like, at an individual level, understanding what might be happening behind the scenes with the data. I think there's a there's a really big education process that needs to be to be part of this. Uh, you know, we saw that manifest, if you like, from the bank's perspective when. Our whole digital strategy is about providing personal services, making it personally relevant. The whole opportunity of digital allows you to treat individuals as individuals. They may be getting the same rates on certain things, but the way that you deal with them and the way that you communicate with them is different. And so when you're talking about identifying somebody or catching people early, as, as Henry says, how do we then communicate to those individuals that we think they may have a problem or, they may, or there may be things that they might want to look to? And why would they think that the bank is the right place for having that conversation? And why do they think that the bank might have that information anyway? So those are some really, really, I think, important questions for us is even having access to this and even seeing the, 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 the power of being able to kind of serve 60, 70 million people in the UK with a better health provisioning through this, being able to help understand, help people understand how we got to that position, I think is a really challenging opportunity for us all and i think we have to all play play together to to make that work having run the sandbox having engaged with these stakeholders and got their feedback how do you take this forward taking a service forward as henry mentioned there's much that you can do before you start to hit a number of the challenges that are in the market the, the data currently is completely inaccessible um, to most individuals. If you can make just a small part of that available, you can offer a huge amount of value. How do you enable the individuals to consume that and, and feel comfortable about it is, as you say, the critical part. How you design the service and the solution, not just the user experience, but also the business model that fits behind that and, and the system design that goes within that business model is critical. If you have a business model that survives off access to data, and, and advertising, then you instantaneously undermine the value of the service, the trust, and, and indeed the agency to the individual. If you design a service that enables and empowers, and as Gregor says, offers agency and efficacy to the individual, then you start to actually reach the, 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 the parts of people that you couldn't previously reach, if you want to think about it that way. And so critical is the design. The, the how much you expose of what goes on behind the scenes is the part which actually is around how you govern the service itself, but also how the market is governed. So you've got to design the governance, you've got to design the policies and principles around the service, which will enable you to offer immediate value. Then you've got to look to the market to understand how to manage uh, uh, things that really need some um, market intervention, things like how do you know who you are handing the data or the insight to? And, and at the moment, we're really very reliant on brand. We have to have brands like Together All that are trusted and are there for the individual to enable us to 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 take to take that forward that we need to sort out. And our belief is that individuals don't don't have to and shouldn't have to understand that. So there's a lot going on around the world to design the markets so that individuals do understand that it's safe. You've worked with Public Health England, Together All, HSBC, very responsible, trusted organisations and brands. If you were approaching 
the moment where there was a fully scoped out service, you felt the infrastructure was in place, the, the governance w- was right. Would you exclude certain actors because maybe they, they, they didn't fit? And we know that across certain sites or certain types of activities that might indicate mental health, but the way those sites operate, they're not necessarily good citizens. No, I think it, it's such, a, such an interesting question. As you say, some of the actors in the in the market at the moment aren't necessarily seen as most trustworthy. However, when you look at what they do, they, they do deliver quite a lot of value. If they weren't delivering value, they wouldn't be there, especially given their trust issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know there's a whole bunch of stuff around that, around how they are manipulating markets and managing markets and, and what they're doing in competition, etc., which keeps them in that position. However, they have some incredible data and that data, actually, it, you can get access to that data if you've got the right service. And they are seeking ways of making that data extraordinarily useful to us as individuals and to society. So I, I think, like most new markets, which shockingly e-commerce and digital is still a new market, <laughs> we still have a way to go to make sure we've got enough seatbelts, legislation, and we've got the right roll bars in our cars, and we've got traffic lights that work effectively and everybody understands it. We still have a way to go to design our digital data market to, to make that wholly safe. And so that all players can uh, apply those rules and regulation and governance to how they act inside the system. And that's it for another episode. If you liked it, please link, like, and share. And until the next time, Goodbye.